Hey everybody, welcome to episode 66 here on the What About Therapy podcast. I'm Enoch Fossum and I'm a certified mindfulness life coach. I'm Austin Ivey and I'm certified in the basics of acceptance and commitment therapy and we're both going to school to be marriage and family therapists. In this episode, we have a very special guest, Tony Overbay. We could both ramble on about Tony, but we're just going to cut right to it. So without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to the episode. Uh, we have a really special guest today, Tony Overbay, host of the Virtual Virtual Couch Podcast. Welcome, Tony. Hey, I, I, I'm being dead serious. I'm very excited about this because you guys have a very fun energy and vibe on your show. And so part of me feels like uh, I don't, you know, I, I can't wait to talk about all the things we want to talk about, but I feel... I feel like we're just going to be vibing, just kind of going back and forth. So I'm excited vibing. about this. We're yeah, hoping for that at least. Yeah, yeah. No, thanks for having me on. I'm excited about this. Yeah, we honestly, we've been looking forward to this and we um we tried not to like fanboy a little <laughs> bit because I mean, we've been listening to your podcast. Like when I first started school a little over a year ago, I'm just undergrad even just uh-huh. listening to you week by week um, and getting pumped up to just live the life of, the, of a therapist. It's like, yeah. um, it's like, we're, like we kind of talked about the this before the episode started that it's like we're talking to one of our heroes and it's fun oh. to like to see this and have this opportunity to talk with you. I'm someone who's been successful in the podcasting world, but also as a therapist. So it's a good opportunity for us as well. And I don't take that lightly. Um, And, uh, and I mentioned off the air that I'm going to, I can't wait to air this as a bonus episode. So to all my virtual couch listeners, go subscribe uh, right now to their podcast. But um, because I was saying off the air, I think it's incredible that you have the insight, the foresight to talk about what you're going through. Um, because I think that is amazing because I yeah. just was trying to hold on for dear life through grad school. And I feel like you guys are are showing that behind the scenes stuff. And to be honest, yeah, I love everything I do. And I didn't know I even could. I mean, I did 10 years in the computer software industry and I didn't even know how much I didn't like it till I found the thing I like. So I just love that you're showing what it's like going through the process. And and because uh, it, it's, it's amazing when you find the thing that you really care about. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. So as as the cool kids say these days, what are your creds? You know, what's yeah. your, tell us a bit about yourself. <laughs> yeah. Those so, that don't know um, you. The, well, I did, I got my undergraduate degree um, from University of Utah in mass communications and pub, with the emphasis in public relations. And I, it's funny because I had had somebody, I wanted to study psychology and I don't still remember to this day. I, one person said, uh, man, that's hard to make a living. So I was like, oh, okay, then I won't do that. And I don't remember who it was. I don't know why, why they said that. And so I had started with broadcast journalism because I like sports. Then I went to regular journalism. And then I just said, I just got to get a degree. And uh, I had no idea what I want to do. And then um, so undergrad in mass communications from uh, University of Utah. And then in my early 30s, I just felt like this is not what I want to do. And I thought I will go back and get my master's in counseling. But the honest truth is I never thought I would see clients. Uh, I had been writing a humor column in a newspaper for a decade. And I had, I think I had one or two kids and I wanted to write a hilarious, humorous book about being a dad. And I thought nobody on earth would buy a book by just some guy. And I really did. I think I was using that as an excuse to go get some letters behind my name. And so, so then I ended up getting my master's in counseling and uh, I don't know, 31, 32. And, and so I guess there's the educational credentials. And then that was 20 years ago. Um, and so uh, what follows is, yeah, so um, merit, licensed marriage and family therapist. And then I, I host a couple podcasts, The Virtual Couch, Waking Up to Narcissism. And then I have, I think I was telling you guys off the air, I think I've got about a half a dozen 
that are in the works, different podcasts. Cause I love so crazy. podcasting. It's so fun. Yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. Zuko wanted to see it too. So he's here. I know that's, I dig that. I want a therapy <laughs> pet. Um, I think that'd be fun. So do you, does it, will Zuko accompany you into the office? Oh, I don't know if he's, he's one right now. So if he becomes a better boy, then maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, can I tell you a story that I probably confabulated, but makes me laugh every time? Yeah. So when I was in grad school, we had to go get our own therapy and I wanted something close to my house. And so I don't even remember how, I don't know if the internet was a thing. It had to, yes, it was. It was a thing. I'm not that old, but I looked and I found a lady that was close to my house and she was doing therapy from her house. And I don't remember who it was, but, uh, I went and met her to see if it was a good fit. And then um, she took me into a room and she said, this is the, no, yeah, see, I have totally made this up. She said, uh, this is like, I do the kid therapy and then there's the sand tray. And she also had a cat. And so I think I've always made it funny in my head that the cat was like, thought that was a litter box. So, uh, you know, <laughs> oh no, right. So someday some kid's going to go in there playing. And they're like, okay, what do I do with this log? Like I've got the army men, I've got the whatever. <laughs> I know, so it makes me laugh. But now that I'm saying it, that's my humorous uh, yeah. joke, but it, that did not happen. Start making a Lincoln log cabin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Yes>. Delicious. <laughs> I did not yeah. see, I did not see her for therapy. Um, I did not. Yeah. Oh, well. So we wanted to talk about today, your four pillars. When you came out with these, uh, when was that? Like almost a year and a half ago? Yeah, you know, it's Almost, about? It, yeah, for real. I've had them. I've had the concepts for years. Right. And I, and I put them into these tangible pillars uh, when I started coming out, when I came out with the magnetic marriage um, course, marriage course. Because yeah. the, my, the guy who helped me, co-creator uh, Preston Pugmire is a, like a, a world renowned life coach and I'm a therapist. And it was, it was not a chocolate meets peanut butter moment for a while. So the, it took us about a year to put the course together. And it was funny because I, you know, I'm a huge emotionally focused therapy fan, EFT fan. And so I had created these, uh, you know, and I, my hands go right to it. I'm, you know, you're giving an emotional bid. So you need to assume good intentions. And I would say things like turn off your fixing and judgment brain. And I would use these phrases. And then when we were putting this course together, Preston said, you know, you need, you need some IP, like you need some intellectual property, you need some tangible things. And so I think at first, I think I had, then I took three of the things and I had three pillars and then we came up with a fourth. And so it's really funny because now I feel like that is the air I breathe four pillar everything, but yeah, it's only been a couple of years that I really put those into a tangible formula before I felt it was more of just, here's some things I say, and it's more of flow. So, um, yeah, so it's still, I guess it is kind of semi-recent. Yeah. So we wanted to try and catch it before it gets too famous and <laughs> too popular. Yeah. So we have it while it's uh, a little bit young. But when these first came out, when I first heard the episode that you dropped about the four pillars and introducing them, mm -hmm. this is something that Austin and I were like, yo, this is so sweet. Like oh. we, we've got to get Tony on here. We, uh, we've kind of mentioned the four pillars on the podcast okay. a little bit, but we're like, no, we've got to save it for Tony. <laughs> He'll introduce okay. them. Yeah. So this, this is huge. And as I've been using the four pillars in my life, I've talked to my wife about them a ton and it's honestly awesome. Like it's, it's conversation changing and life changing really with, with the people that you talk with, not even just your spouse or, uh, it really, anyone, someone mm -hmm. at work, your boss, your coworker, well, anyone you meet. I've, uh, I've done four pillar trainings now at, um, at a couple of very large, uh, business 
uh, there's been business opportunities to teach the four <laughs> pillars in business. And, and then I do, I, I think the four pillars are, can be a, a really help in parenting. And again, I, I call it healthy ego, you know, standing in my healthy ego, because uh, sometimes we get so worried about feeling like we're, we're being boastful or prideful, but I, I talk about healthy ego is based off of real accomplishments and hard work. So it's more impervious to the slights of, of the outside world. But so when I talk about my healthy ego, I really feel like the four pillars are, I mean, they are, they are manna from heaven. I mean, they are gold and they, I, I almost want to say, I dare you to poke holes in them, you know, because actually then I will use them on you. Uh, I will assume good intentions of why you're trying to poke those holes. <laughs> and my pillar two, I won't tell you you're wrong. And my pillar three, I'll say, tell me, tell me more about that. You know, what's that like for you? And, uh, and then my pillar four, I won't go into a victim stance and say, oh, I guess you're, you're right, you know, and you will feel heard. And then I will share with you the beauty of the four pillars. Then before you know it, you just got four pillared, which I think is a trademark phrase <laughs> we can use, right? Yeah, trademark it. Yeah, trademark. Yeah, you, yeah. Just you just got four pillared. Okay. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. So, so our your listeners, I'm sure, are very aware of what the four pillars are. We're aware. You're aware. Um, our listeners might not be super aware of what they are and like the rundown of what they are. So maybe you could give us a a rundown of the four pillars mm-hmm. and how they can apply those in, into any type of life circumstance, whether it be a relationship or a work relationship or anything like that. So, so what are these four pillars that we've been yeah. talking about? No, I, and I appreciate that, Austin. I, I'll maybe yeah. take a step back and say, can I give you a tiny bit of the origin story? That's the only yeah. things I love of like about the DC and Marvel things. I love the origin story. Oh, they're so, so awesome. A little bit of that. <laughs> and then, uh, but, and then there's even a part B, if I don't go too deep into a tangent of honestly, and I think I might've talked, I don't think I've talked about this on a podcast, uh, ironically, nobody really does know the four pillars. And and we'll talk about that because um, I I got, uh, I don't know if the kids still call it butthurt. And I don't think you have to put explicit in the <laughs> they do. On that. That's still a thing. Okay. Yeah. But, but I did when I feel like I'm working with clients for a year or more. And then I keep going back to, all right, let's put it in the framework, four pillar framework. And then I started being a little bit more bold and saying, so yeah, so what, yeah, which, which pillar do you think you just violated or broke or, or you guys work this through the pillars. And these people just look at me with this blank stare of uh, like, can you remind me? And at first it, I, that hurt my fragile ego. Like, uh, really? I mean, this is, I talk about this stuff all the time. And I was sharing that actually with the guy who helped me create the course, Preston. And he just said, Hey, are you familiar with the four agreements? And I said, yeah, love it. And he said, name them. I, I was like, uh, man, they, they're amazing, you know? And so so sometimes I feel like even just when, when you have somebody excited about it and you come into a, like say a therapy setting, you just want, you're buying into hope in a sense, you know? And I feel like in a, and I say that the four pillars must be followed. You can't pick and choose when to use them. You can't pick and choose which ones to use. And so I just want to say that I don't really think, I think people feel uh, excited about the four pillars. And then when they hear an episode, they say that makes so much sense. But this is why I honestly put the course together because I feel like it takes a lot of practice because it's still not really the default way that we communicate. And, and that's why I think it just, it sounds like it just makes so much sense and it does. And I believe that when people finally, it clicks into just the, the air they breathe, um, then I feel like it's a game changer. But at first I feel like people still just kind of pick and choose times to use it. And, uh, and so anyway, that's a, that, that's the tangent B that I didn't think I would get to. So <laughs> Very quickly, I felt called to help uh, men become better husbands and fathers. I just, I just have always felt that. And when I went back to grad school, I would say that. And you know, there were only two or three guys that were in my uh, class. I went, I went through grad school with a class of about twenty, 
and we just did class after class. So I was with the same people and uh, instructors, professors would, uh, I feel like when I would say, I want to help husbands and fathers and everybody would fawn and go, oh, and then the professors would mm -hmm. kind of chuckle. And I never understood why until then I became a therapist and guys don't typically come to therapy. Uh, so, so then I was working for the church um, get, during the licensing process and they handed me a faith crisis um, and, uh, and pornography addiction. And so I started seeing more men and especially with the pornography addiction piece. And I really feel like the information out there was still not very good as a way to help. It was a lot of the just behavioral things, you know, seeing him do some pushups. And then ironically, you know, if somebody really isn't committed or I feel like those are, aren't the best tools. Now all of a sudden right. you play that hymn in church and people actually go, Oh, trigger. And they think of the, the inappropriate thing. So, you know, I feel like uh, I got to figure out a better way to do it. So, um, so that's right. I really feel like I identified. So pornography is a coping mechanism. And so then, and why do people guys in particular turn to coping mechanisms? And then I came up with these five voids. So when they feel like they aren't a good uh, husband, um, parent, or like father, uh, when they don't feel good about their faith or their health or their career. So then I felt like, oh, I got to go figure out all of these. So, you know, I really embraced acceptance and commitment therapy to help with their like things like their career. I found this nurtured heart approach to help with uh, parenting. Um, I really embraced this concept of uh, Fowler stages of faith to help navigate faith journeys. And then I did not want to do the couple stuff. I, there was a part of me that felt like, okay, so now go figure out how to be a better husband. You know, good luck. Um, and then that was the main thing that I felt like really when people didn't feel connected to their spouse of why they turned on healthy coping mechanisms. So then I, I did a deep dive. I discovered emotionally focused therapy and, uh, and I really liked it because it, it was an evidence-based model to help couples. And I felt like it was a, it was a framework and it wasn't just the reflective listening skills. I felt like I learned in school where, you know, what are you hearing? Well, I'm hearing that he thinks I'm a piece of garbage and I would say, okay, well, she, he hears you. So that that's good. You know, but I felt like I, it wasn't helping with the actual couples sessions. And I felt like if I had more than one or two couple sessions a week, it, it just, it was horrible. And I would complain to my supervisor and my wife. But then as I really embraced emotionally focused therapy, I started realizing, oh, I can put this, this, this framework out there, this tool. And if couples use the tool, then I've just become the Sherpa and I can keep referring back to the tool. And so, so that was, and then that was really what started to you know, the, the emergence of the four pillars of a connected conversation. And, and like I was mentioning earlier, I just, I kind of really thought that the best thing to do was just teach people this ethereal flow. And if they had these concepts of, you know, what, what an emotional bid is, I'm putting my heart out to you. I'm, I'm, when I'm saying something, and if you don't handle this right, it's as if you're taking my heart and crumbling it up and stomping it on the ground. And I would tell people to turn off their fixing and judgment brain. And, and, and that was it. So, and then this marriage course, when, when I was able to kind of put those things in these tangible steps, it really did all of a sudden, it made so much sense. And that's where I really started stepping up to seeing, you know, 10, 15, 20 couples a week. And then fast forward that. And now I think when I was promoting the marriage course, I think I've seen, I don't know, 12, 1300 couples now over the last 18 years. And the reason I wow. lay all that foundation out there is because I, I, the four pillars have been tested over and over and over and over. And I, I, it's not something where I feel like, okay, you know, 80% of the time it works. No, it, it works. I feel like hundred percent of the time when people embrace it. And then side note, the whole reason I started getting into working with personality disorders is because I feel like once you hand somebody a framework and you have a tool and you didn't know what you didn't know, as far as a way to communicate, because it's not a natural way to communicate because it, we have to really step outside of our, our ego or ourselves. And we, and we have to really embrace empathy 
And that's hard to do when we're still, when we feel defensive, if somebody else has a different opinion. Um, and then I found that for most of the clients, I would hand this four pillar framework to, then they would take it and it was a, it was bumpy, but then they would start to really get better. And, and then all of a sudden they're they're They communicate like never before. It, it becomes almost annoying where you start to notice where everyone else in the world is not four pillaring. Right. And so, yeah. Right. And then it just becomes like enlightening. And then there was a certain percentage where the the people just couldn't play in that sandbox. And then that's where I started noticing the concepts around emotional immaturity or narcissistic traits and tendencies, because mm. that the emotionally mature or narcissistic person, it, it's, they're so, they're so, you know, special in a sense that when you hear how bad my spouse is, you will then put away these four pillars that you seem to think are so powerful, you know? And so they won't even, they won't allow themselves to even look at a new framework because part of that framework might lead to them being accountable. And, and that's where like, right. Severe emotional immaturity are things like gaslighting is a childhood defense mechanism. So it's like, if, if they have never felt like they know how to take ownership of something, then it's natural to turn it back around on the other person. And as we go through these four pillars, they're designed to then not do that in simple terms. So I don't know if that's way too much of a introduction <laughs> to it. No, that's what I call an origin story right there. Yeah, that's, that's the right. ultimate origin yeah. story, the prequel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there we go, right? So if uh, if we kind of lay them out, then my my first pillar is it's assuming good intentions. And it's the fact that I don't believe that anybody wakes up in the morning and plots their, you know, I can't wait till six o'clock when my husband comes home. And then I'm going to tell him that I just don't really feel like you're here for me. and And so I feel like if, if the husband comes home and he and his wife says, man, you know what? I don't feel like you're here for, for, you know, for me. Um, there's a reason. So that pillar one is assuming good intentions. And that alone I, I hear so often is a game changer when people can just start right. to say, okay, I have to assume that, that he's not trying to hurt me. Now I, I throw a part B on that over in my narcissism podcast, because sometimes people can be really, really mean and they can be abusive, um, emotional, physical, spiritual, financial. And so it's hard to say, no, assume that, that the, they have good intentions behind that. So I do put like a caveat there and I say a part B is, or there's a reason why they do the things they do. And I think that's helped a lot as well, because if somebody never had um, good models of parenting or if they were if they were abused or, or they're significantly emotionally immature, then that's why they maybe react the way they do because they don't know how to to bring a conversation up from an emotionally healthy place. They may feel like I have to be angry. I have to use you know a course of tactics because that's all they've ever known. Now that doesn't excuse it, but but I just feel like that uh, you know that that kind of there's pillar one in a nutshell. I don't know if you guys want to comment or like if you have thoughts around pillar one and we'll go through them that way. Or if you want me to lay them all out or what do you think? I mean, I did have a question specifically, yeah. like, because I was listening to your episode back in 2021, like one of your more recent um, episodes about specifically about the four pillars. And uh-huh. um, you talk about like how it's difficult for someone who's anxiously attached to make that shift from yeah. um, assuming bad intentions to assuming good intentions. So for you, like, as an experienced therapist, like what's a an easy framework or an easy way to get started for someone who is more anxiously attached to, to be able to start with this first pillar? Like yeah. what's a, a good 
first stepping off point for someone who yeah. is more anxiously attached. It's such a good point too. Cause I, I take ownership. I'm very anxiously attached and that, that comes from, I think there's a little bit of the impulsivity that comes with my ADHD. I'm literally playing with my fidget cube right now <laughs> <laughs> or, or just that emotional immaturity because growing up by, I, I most likely didn't have a lot of that uh, nurturing or didn't necessarily feel heard or understood. So I desperately need to defend my fragile ego. So if my wife has a different opinion, I need to just stop that right now and let her know that, no, 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 I, I didn't mean that. Like, or, or that wasn't, I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't recognize or realize. So that's a lot of that anxious attachment is I really, I need that validation. I need it quick. So I really feel like a couple of things, one, and I know we probably won't have time to get into this today, but uh, doggone mindfulness. I mean, I didn't, I talk about it all the time now and I didn't do it or know really what it was for probably a decade into my practice. And now I, I do a app called Headspace every single day. And, and again, like maybe we can link to, I've got a couple episodes where I talk about it, but I feel like ideally that gives us the pause to then jump into the framework. You know, I feel like that gives us the pause to say, okay, I, I'm, I'm noticing that I want to defend myself, but I'm going to assume good intentions. And then, and then another part of that, that I think is so amazing is uh, there's a book called the Buddha brain, which is really about the neuroscience of, uh, of I don't know, happiness or, and he talks so well about the, these four steps of change or enlightenment. The first one is you don't know what you don't know. And then that second one is now, you know, it, but you don't do it very often. And I feel like when people learn the four pillars, they know it, but then they still are just, they're so used to these patterns of the way they communicate. And so I just say, man, if you don't, you know, if you immediately anxiously attach or if you express, you're too expressive or you're impulsive, that the best thing you can do is when you become aware that I'm doing that now is where I still have to then say, okay, man, I, I'm, you know, I can ask for a do-over or I notice that I am, you know, that was, that was the wrong way to handle this and let me step back and jump into the four pillar framework. And, and um, that's one of the most difficult places to be is to have that awareness, but then still go back to the same patterns. And I don't know if you guys have run into that, but I feel like, uh, I used to even think before I started seeing a lot of clients that if you get them aware, I mean, that's, that's you might almost my work is done, but unfortunately awareness becomes annoying for a little while. So, so the third path of, you know, change or enlightenment is then you're, so you go from, uh, I wasn't aware of what I wasn't aware of. I'm aware. And now I do it sometimes, but I still default to my path of least resistance. Now I'm aware. And for the most part, I do the new thing. And now it's a lot easier to give myself grace or forgiveness when I don't. And then eventually it, you just be, you just become. And so I feel like that's what happens. And so, so I feel like it's that giving somebody grace, if you can build in a pause and just know that it, you're a human being. And, and I feel like that's the part where we're wired to beat ourselves up for some reason, you know, that shame yeah. and, guilt. and yeah. so that, you know, that'll, that'll chestnut that doesn't work so well. So, um, yeah. So there's, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's great. And our, our viewers know a ton about mindfulness. It's Good. literally, we talk about that all the time. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that the four pillars literally go against like most of our natural inclinations, you know, just yeah. due to society or our scripts. And so mindfulness for, I would say all four pillars is really key because you Absolutely. need to just be aware of how you're feeling, what you're thinking of saying, and then what you're actually saying, you know, and just be yeah. aware of that to be able to go through the pillars. So it is, I mean, it definitely is annoying to have to be so present in every conversation for the longest time until you start actually you know, starting to rewrite those conversational scripts that you've mm -hmm. created over 
years and years. No, and I love what you said yeah. there because it, it is, it's, and it does take a long time. And I feel like that's the thing that's frustrating. And I've been saying this lately. I went and did a keynote at the Utah Association of Marriage and Family Therapists a couple of weeks ago. And I, and I talked about the concept of implicit memory or what it feels like to be you. And that's based off of all these just small things that happen throughout your day, throughout your life that, that are, you know, it's this internal shading of, of, of thought or what it feels like to be you. And, and I just said, man, the more I realized the way this works and those things we just went over those steps is it's actually, it takes a long time to change. And that is not a, there's, that's not a big selling point. So we want to say that just do these things and it'll change your life. And that gives us the dopamine bump. And I want to do that. And then we do it. And then we go back to the path of least resistance. And then we beat ourselves up and say, I can't even do the thing. And so, mm-hmm. you know, and that's where I want to say, oh yeah, because you're a human, what do you expect? Um, but it, but it doesn't sell as many books to say, Hey, start doing this program. And you're probably going to do a little bit of it. Probably not going to finish it. You're going to forget about it. You're going to beat yourself up. You'll bring it back up again. You probably won't do it again, but at some point you'll hear a podcast and then you'll think I should do that. And then do And if you just keep going and doing, then eventually it, that becomes, you know, what it feels like to be me as somebody that will, will complete that, but it can take a long mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Right. It's the whole get rich quick scheme. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. That people love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and unfortunately, in the mental health world, especially, it's not really a thing. No, it's not. Yeah. Um, so, so pillar two, then I think yeah. it's, it's funny. I uh, I'm going to pretend that I said this now. I'll I'll confabulate my memory and say that. <laughs> and like I was telling Nina and Austin, you know, the mindfulness is is necessary in all the pillars. Um, but I like how you said that because I feel like pillar two is more of this mindset of mm-hmm. of I I and I cannot tell this person that that they are wrong. I don't believe them. What they're saying is ridiculous. And then I feel like a lot of times people's brain goes, okay, so I can't tell them they're wrong. And then now what's pillar three? And But there's a, a very important part of, of pillar two that I can't tell them they're wrong or I don't believe them or that's ridiculous. Even if I think they are wrong, I feel like what they're doing is ridiculous and I don't believe them. Um, because, and this is where I'd like to start talking about the concept of when a conversation goes awry or south, or I, I like to say when it goes out into the weeds, you can absolutely find which pillar was was violated or broken. And so somebody may assume good intentions. Okay, fine. They, they're telling me that they don't think I'm there for them. But here's the part where I tell them, are you kidding me? Like, seriously? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's emotional immaturity. That's, that's me saying, no, I need, to, I need to put you back in your place. You know, I need to control this narrative right now because this is making me feel uncomfortable. And so much of it is, I don't want to feel uncomfortable. So, and I think that's why what you're saying, Ian, because yeah, it goes against the things that we feel like we have to do because I have to defend my honor. (laughs) Defend my family crest. Exactly, right? So that pillar two is this mindset of, of, so, because if I assume good intentions and now I'm going to like start this, I'm in this four pillar framework and the person is saying something, then now, now I'm committed. So I have to, I have to go, okay, this is their experience, period. So what an honor that this person is, is. And that's where I used to say, handing me this emotional bid, they're showing me their heart. And so that might not be my experience, but we'll get to that. And I feel like that's one of the hardest things to do. So then that pillar two mindset, and then pillar three is, so if I've assumed good intentions, or there's a reason why they're doing what they're doing, and I'm not going to tell them that that's ridiculous, or are you kidding me? Even if I think that now, I'm gonna, now this amazing questions before comments, empathy. So help me understand, take me on your train of thought, help me see your blind spots. How long have you felt this way? Like, I want to hear you. And now, boy, now the defending of one's ego is is really a challenge. Because if they say, well, you've, you've never really been there for me. 
immediately my mind's going, I now I'm no longer listening. And I'm thinking of times where I've been there for you. And I think now right. I should probably bring them up so that you will stop talking about that because that makes me uncomfortable. You know, but if that's their experience and if they, even if they feel like they have to use those all or nothing words, then man, that would be hard. And I'm so grateful that they're sharing this because I have my own experience and we'll get to that, right? So that pillar three questions before comments. And I feel like, uh, you know, all along the way, somebody can assume good intentions. I'm not going to tell them they're ridiculous, but let me just let them, let me just set them straight real quick. And then I want to hear them. But if I set yeah. them straight again, conversation out in the weeds, and now we're back to, you know, the, the pattern. I think that most people are, are in. Um, yeah. And I, I was curious with the, with questions, you know, we, this, about this time last week, we were at a, an event, a, a presentation. Changed local mental health event. Yeah. Uh-huh. And um, there's a gentleman there who runs a podcast. It's David. David Kozlowski. Kozlowski. Do you know him? I've heard it. Yeah, I do. I think I have. He, yeah. has the Light the Fire podcast. Okay. He's really good. I don't know. Dissertation thesis about asking questions versus making statements. And mm. he talks about how questions cannot, can always be, cannot always be super helpful. And questions at times can be. I'm almost um, interrogating and yes. um, draw a person away. So I guess my question is, in in your opinion, when it comes to your experience with these this framework, are all questions created equal when it comes to connecting and leaning in? And what questions no. are maybe more beneficial in an instance of in a connected conversation? Yeah, it's such a it's such a good question because, and this is where I feel like progress, not perfection. And and so people, and this is this is the step where people will begin to weaponize the framework. Mm-hmm. So like, okay, so how, how long have you felt like that? Or how long have you known that you're dumb? Like, how long have you, like, tell me more about how, how <laughs> like how stupid that is or, or, well, tell me how long you haven't been noticing what I've been doing. And then look at me, it's a question. I mean, I asked, mm-hmm. you know, or, or, you know, and so I, right. I know I'm giving a, an extreme example, but I yeah. do feel like, man, when we, we will still take a framework and try to fit our experience or narrative into it. And, and I feel like that still kind of reeks of a bit of emotional immaturity. Because it's like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll play in the sandbox, but but I'm gonna still, I want, I want to get my way, and so I love the way, the way you phrase that. No, I don't think all questions are are um, created equal, and and this is where I do. You give me a good jumping off point to talk about semantics, and because mm-hmm. I, when I have a couple in initially, I'm trying to get them to just just understand the framework, but then when we get into the finer details. You know, that is where I talk about when somebody says, well, you know, I just feel like you always, um, you always just come home and and go right to the kids so an always or a never or a you know those kind of statements then i talk about you know like that concept of psychological reactance or that instant negative reaction of being told what to do if i'm being told that i always do this my brain as a survival instinct is gonna i i must think of the times where i that isn't the case so now i've checked out of the whole four-pillared conversation because and so then i will come into the world of semantics so i think that plays into questions and so then it's like, okay, even if it's like, you know, I feel like you you don't often come in and say hi to me. Now I'm leaning in. Oh, okay. Okay. Boy, that makes more sense. And so so back to along those lines of questions, um, and I, I have uh, had a pretty heavy couples day yesterday, and, and I can think of two of the situations where I let them know that I say, hey, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little bit, um, I'm going to be a little, little bit aggressive, which is not my style because they're doing the pillars well. And so now we're going to fine tune some things. And it really is about yeah. semantics. And, and there will be little things that somebody will say in a question that then I can now check in with the partner and I can say, what did that question, how did you hear that? You know, and well, well I heard it as if, if I don't agree, then I'm doing something wrong, you know, and then we can then like fine tune the, the details of a question. So, 
and it can sound like a lot of work, but I feel like once somebody really starts to lean into this concept, then it, it starts to make more sense. And then somebody just says, oh, okay, no, I appreciate that. I, I hadn't thought of that versus, well, what am I supposed to do? You know, that kind of thing, you know? Right. Yeah. So that questions before comments is so important. And it's interesting because then that leads to the pillar four, which is, is staying present, leaning in. And I used to not, I don't like the word victim because I think it makes people feel bad. But, but I, so I'll say that pillar four, part of that is, is don't take on this, this victim energy or victim mindset. And, and I do feel like uh, a lot of, a lot of males, if I want to go gender stereotype, pillar four is a real challenge. So they may say, okay, I'm going to assume good intentions and, and I'm not going to tell her that's crazy or she's wrong. And I'll ask questions, but then pillar four is so hard to like, keep the, the, hold the frame. And then, so the guy might do the first three and then say, Okay, and I guess my opinion doesn't matter. You know, I'm just I'll just work. Yeah. I'll, just, I'll just work more. I'll just try to make more money, and uh, I'll just that's what I do. And then because when we take on that victim energy or mindset, we want our partner to then say, "No, you're awesome. I shouldn't have said it." And we're like, "Whoo, okay, now you have managed my anxiety. Thank you. Like that, and now I feel better." Right. And and so that's why I also was saying earlier, I I you can't pick and choose which pillars you're going to adhere to. I mean, it has to be the whole you know, all four. And then once, once someone then in this scenario, that spouse that said, you're not, you know, I don't feel like you're here for me. If he's assumed good intentions, didn't say she's wrong. So what does that look like? You know, you come in, you grab the kids, you don't say hi. And then he just says, man, thank you so much for sharing that because I care about you. And if I can step out of my ego, then I am so grateful you shared that because if you were holding that in, you're probably building up resentment and I wouldn't even know. Because, and, and I use this example maybe too often, but because it was a real one where then once she felt heard, now he becomes the speaker. She's the listener. She has to now assume good intentions. She can't say he's wrong. Or And this one particular instance that was beautiful because in this one, yeah, the guy was like, okay, thank you. Uh, you know, I, I felt like we'd had a conversation a while ago and, and I thought you had said, and again, it's the I feels, I thought not, well, you told me, you know, because then it's like, in her mind, she'd be like, no, I didn't. And now she's in that reactance mode. Right. And that one is that he said, you know, I thought we had a conversation where you had mentioned you're overwhelmed. And when I come home that you just really want to break from the kids. So I thought that I, if I just run in and I grab them, then you can take a breath. And so in that scenario, it was beautiful because then she's like, okay, it's easy to assume then good intentions. When I hear that, I had no idea. I can't say that's ridiculous. And pillar three, she, she didn't really have many questions to ask. And, and so it was a real connection because you know, she just said, I, I, I had no idea. So I really, I really appreciate that. And then we worked what I call a map, a magnetic agreement plan. And so she's like, if I had it all my way, you would come home and, and just, just give me a kiss and just, you know, say, how, how's your day? And he was like, man, I would love to do that. But what I, you know, what I would need maybe to make that happen is if, if I don't, I would need grace and maybe a reminder, you know, and it, and it was yeah. beautiful. Yeah. So, so there's that framework. And that, with that last one, I love the example that you use in a lot of your other episodes about this subject, about like with, pillar four very often as just as humans we like to defend ourselves we we have to defend the ego we have to defend um our side of the story because we don't want to be the the enemy mm -hmm. and being the victim feels really good and so i like i use the analogy of not going into your bunker stay out yeah. of the bunker stay stay in the in the neutral area where you guys can have a conversation and prevent yourself from going to going to the bunker and throwing grenades back back and forth totally. because that's where the damage really starts to come in is um the throwing things back and forth, hurling claims at one another and doing everything you can to defend yourself. And all that. Yeah. You know, it's funny too, Austin, is that it's funny because what I love about this and what I'm excited to watch your guys' journey, honestly, I'm not just saying that, is I, I 
almost forget at times of how I love that bunker analogy as well. And I, you know, and I've kind of moved away from it. So now literally the fact that you brought it up, I'll probably talk about it a little bit more now because I really <laughs> like that one. I did. And, uh, and, and even on that same note, I, I don't know when you guys are going to release this, but I did an episode on the virtual couch yesterday, um, November 2nd. Again, you can edit that out if you want, but, <laughs> but I just had this oh, aha moment over the last few days of, of this opportunity I had to speak. And it was somebody who, how dare they, they didn't know who I was. So they wanted me to commit to share with them what, you know, to, to tell them what I can offer. And I went, I went full emotional maturity. I mean, I, I didn't adhere to any of my four pillars. I did not assume good intentions. I said, he is absolutely wrong. I did not ask questions and I wanted to let him know, do like, this isn't the way it works. Like people ask me to speak and then they say, okay, talk about whatever you want. You know, and it was horrible and right, it was yeah. so impulsive. And then, and then I realized this concept that, uh, of man, so often I feel anxious and now I want somebody else to manage my anxiety. And if I feel anxious, what is that saying about me? Oh my gosh. You know, that this uh, person doesn't know who I am or that I speak a lot of times. Okay. The join like most of the world. I mean, that's okay. And that doesn't mean that something's wrong with me or, and it was just, it was really, it was really funny how uh, that was just an experience over the, the last week or so. So yeah. what I love is when we talk about four pillars, we talk about emotional maturity or what we don't know. Um, I just love that we're doing all this in real time, even as therapists, as podcasters. And I think that part of that being vulnerable is so, so helpful. And if somebody says, oh, I, I would have thought you would have figured this out by now, then my answer to that is okay, period. You know, <laughs> right, right. I think with the four pillars, it's interesting how it's really hard to use at first to get through the pillars. Yeah. But once you get through the pillars, you get you finally lean in, then that's when the conversation becomes easier and things start to flow, you know, because like you were saying, when you first use the four pillars and you lean into your spouse and say, I really appreciate you sharing that with me instead of like my natural inclination is to run away. Like, yeah, I'm out of there. I yeah. like no touchy, no talky. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. And, but when I lean in, it gives her the opportunity to feel heard and to, yeah, you know, keep going. And maybe we talk about things that we weren't even going to talk about oh, but because all the time, Enoch, like, I love that. Yeah. that. And that's the the bonus of doing this is like, and if you do that long enough, um, sorry to cut you off on that too. Cause I, I just know this because when I feel like that's the part that we don't know what we don't know, and then it does feel uncomfortable. And I do say this phrase often that I believe wholeheartedly in of we're, we're so afraid it will become contentious, you know, tension or that we avoid tension altogether. And tension is where growth occurs. And when you have the right framework, plus a little tension, now all of a sudden I'm finding out things about my spouse I never knew. And it doesn't mean that they don't love me. It means they feel comfortable enough to start to open up to me. And turns out that the the enmeshment, the codependency that we went into the relationship with, with because of all of our stuff we bring from our childhood and I need to hang on to this person for dear life. So I better control them so that they will stay. You know, it's kind of normal that we show up that way, but now is the opportunity. That's why I think marriage is such a cool thing. It really is. Now it, it we are designed to deal with emotion in concert with another human being. And, and it is the opportunity to, to understand my perspective is not the only one. And what a gift to be able to recognize my spouse as a completely different um, experience and, and how amazing that is when we both realize we can both have two different opinions and experiences and we're still cool with each other. And then once that becomes, that becomes the air you breathe. Now you're going through life with like a whole, like all these new colors instead of like, well, they have to agree with me because if not, then that will make me feel weird. 
So you agree with me, right? You know, well, yeah, I guess so. You know, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So for those of you listening, try out the four pillars. It's going to be hard. You're going to yeah. fail a lot. Like Tony just said, he even <laughs> failed and he's the creator of the four pillars. I love that. And I talk about that. I, I give so, I don't know if you've heard, I give so many examples of, of four pillar exchanges with my wife and I almost on a weekly basis, because I want people to know it isn't that you're doing anything right. You need the framework to go revert back to, but it's, you're a human being. And right. the cool thing about having this framework is you can also take things that happened in the past and then run it through this framework. So you can absolutely get all amygdala hijacked and blow it and have a, a, a horrible conversation where none of the pillars were followed. And then when you finally kind of calm yourself, you know, now let's let's run that thing through the framework. And so a lot of actually almost all the time when couples come to my office, I'll just say, okay, give me anything and, and let me be your Sherpa and we'll put it through the framework. And a lot of times it's easier to kind of take a look at these things that have happened in the past, maybe these lower charge topics to then really understand how to communicate. And then, and this is one of those funny things too. I feel like uh, people want to come in and they want to do the high charge topics, uh, which I sex, right. politics, religion, uh, parenting, you know, that kind of thing. But we really do have to go back to the, Hey, uh, where do you want to eat? And, and, you know, guy will say, well, that's ridiculous. And then I'll look over the wife and say, is it though? And oftentimes she'll say, well, no, cause he'll ask me, but then, then eventually he'll maybe just say, yeah, okay. But there, there's probably a line there, you know, or um, well, what about this? No, I don't know. We did that last week. So eventually she'll say, what do you think? Right. And they'll say, Oh, well, I was kind of thinking this. So then eventually we learn through this framework that even those, those simple things, there's, there's, there's depth underneath it. And, right. and so, Oh, and where I was going with that is that I feel like it's one of those things where, and then when I can get people to, to practice these four pillars on lower charge topics, then I know this sounds so cliche, but a lot of times the, the higher charge topics aren't as high charged once we recognize through the low charge topics that, oh, I didn't even know that we, how to have a different opinion and how to express it and how to stay out of my ego. So then we get looking at, now we look at those higher charts and now it's like, oh, I get it. Yeah. I was kind of being yeah. a, a jerk, you know? So that makes more sense now. And that's, that's something that I wanted to touch on like my own experience implementing yeah. this into my life is um, the high charge topics. They, they're very dramatic. And like, I feel like people point to those as like, that's why we got divorced or that's why we separated yeah. is because of this thing. But um, I've noticed that as I've implemented these like four pillars into my daily life, like these really small things, where are we going to eat? Like, what do you want to do tonight? Like, how do you want to spend our weekend? Um, and you use these pillars to lean in. You start to notice, first of all, that those small things can cause really small, like fissures almost yeah, in the relationship like that. that build up over time. Yeah. And if that is not properly attended to it because it itself becomes a large issue and those large issues also start to present themselves more often and so i think that's what people need to realize that in any type of relationship is that um yeah of course big issues are going to come up and you're going to have to deal with those and it's going to be difficult um but you set that foundation to overcome those issues by learning how to deal with these really small problems using this framework or using a framework similar to this where you lean in and yeah. you connect. So it's almost like practice for when the big issues eventually come is learning how to develop a good, I don't know, pattern of connection when you're just talking about, are we going to Costa Vida tonight or are we going to Cafe Rio? What are Costa we doing? Vida, so that Vida way when... Right answer, but... I exactly. I was going to say Costa Vida. <laughs> My wife would disagree. <laughs> no shot, My wife would disagree, but um, I would say Costa Vida. Um, but no, yeah, it's 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 almost practice for those big issues that were eventually, eventually come because if you don't have that pattern of connection with the tiniest things, it won't be there for these big issues of, heaven forbid, okay. um, a, um, of infidelity or something like that right. comes up. Right, no, yeah. it's funny even like, uh, and do you guys, I know I said eight, do you have a couple more minutes? 
yeah, yeah. we do yeah plenty of time. I just have a, I just real quick uh and i don't know if you do edit i'm just gonna tell i have a i have a phone call i'm just gonna tell them five minutes uh okay uh, okay <laughs> eight because i got i got it i can't finish I, you just unlocked something with me austin <laughs> so because what i love about that is that i love that concept of these little fissures and then i often talk about uh, on the narcissism podcast i do i the most popular episodes are these things i call death by a thousand cuts and where if somebody's mm-hmm. trying to describe why they are want to get out of an unhealthy relationship and then they give some pretty what seem like uh like low charged examples but then it's like a consistent pattern of those over and over and over and over it is like these little cuts and then enough of those um, are then, and, you know, enough of those, and then you, you're bleeding out in essence, mm-hmm. but here's, okay. Here's why I so appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah. I, I, here's my vulnerability. As much as I say that I've got it all figured out four pillars are gold and they still are. Um, I have been trying to, I've had some younger couples come into my office, um, due to like, uh, some, you know, maybe a, a old family friend who said, Hey, I'm paying for premarital counseling or newlywed counseling. And I want that so desperately, but so but when I tried to teach the four pillars to somebody that almost like hasn't had some road under their tires, and then I say, you know, uh, no, like follow this framework every time. And then all of a sudden, and I'll give you an example of one that happened was, uh, you know, I, the, the, the wife said, okay, you know what? Um, I guess if I could mention, I kind of feel like he, he doesn't dress up to the way that he could, you know, or that sort of thing. And beautiful thing to say if you're looking at it with curiosity, because I want, you know, I wanted him to say, oh man, she's not trying to hurt me. I can't say, are you kidding me? And tell me more. Cause I knew where we were going to go that they, you know, they both grew up different and, and he likes this and she likes this and her family. I kind of knew where this would go and I was kind of excited for it, but I watched him just shut down and he's like, yeah, no, you're right. I, I could upgrade my wardrobe. I'm like, Oh, no, no, no. Like, the, hang on. Let's stay in the framework. And he's like, no, I mean, it's, it's fine. She's right. I, I probably should. And then she's like, no, I, I really like the way you dress. Like, it's seriously not a big deal. And then they, you know, and then I feel like they were looking at me like, geez, old man, like you, you're going to ruin our marriage is what you're going to do. <laughs> and and really? it was all right. And all I wanted to say was like, no, like if, if you don't talk, if you don't have a healthy way to communicate about even these little things, then enough of these. And now, you know, if she's always thinking, wow, he's wearing that again, you know? <laughs> And then, and she doesn't, and they haven't communicated where even if, if he says, oh, I, this is why I like this because whatever. And if she is saying, oh, okay, I can't tell him that's ridiculous. Say, tell me more. And then, and then she feels, he feels heard. She feels heard. And then it's not as big of a deal, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things. So with newlywed couples, young couples, it's weird because sometimes I've been saying now, it's like, you almost have to go, people will come in and they'll say, oh, I wish we would have had this framework earlier. You know, I, I and I beat myself up about it. And where I say acceptance of what well, you didn't. So, okay, you know, but here we are. And then I say, because so often people, they don't know what they don't know. And then they don't go find the tools. So they go through stuff. And then it takes right. a lot of effort to even go find the tools. And then hopefully you find the right tools. And then you try to implement even the right tools. And, and it's still scary. And our brain defaults to the path of least resistance. So then you have to keep at it. And I'm not, not trying to say that as like, so that, that all kind of sucks. But I feel like it's the, it's the man, if one can trust that it would be nice to have a framework early it's probably not going to feel talk about it doesn't feel natural you know even when you've been married a little while it's probably not going right. to feel natural early on but i feel like if that just becomes the way you communicate that it will just lead to such a more connected relationship you know forever yeah yeah, yeah. 
Amen and amen. <laughs> so Tony, thank you so much for coming on. For real, yeah. this really this was awesome. It was awesome to spend spend uh, this time with you. So last 30 seconds before you go, if someone wants to get a hold of you, if they want to join your magnetic marriage course, yeah. what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, uh, I so appreciate that. I, I I jokingly say I'm the world's worst promoter and I this is where, uh, <laughs> um, so you know, go, go to tonyoverbay.com. Uh, I'm trying to build up uh, my socials as the kids call it. So you can find me <laughs> at uh, Virtual Couch on Instagram or I think Tony Overbay Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist on Facebook. But um, I do, I really, I really feel confident about the magnetic marriage course and uh and i'm about to launch a, a paid a subscription-based podcast called the magnetic marriage podcast and i think i've got about 15 interviews or coaching therapy calls in the can now with anonymous couples and that it's weird like you got every i swear to you every single one of them somebody cries and feels like they've never opened up like this before and and it's it's so cool and so then i'm having some of them then take two or three weeks come back for a second episode and then the changes that are happening or sometimes not, or so what I'm excited about is for people that have never even thought about going to counseling or couples coaching, or they don't know what that would look like. I just feel like this is going to give such a, like an insider's view of what that looks like. And, uh, and then it's all based off of my magnetic marriage course. So then people, I would highly recommend them taking that. And then, you know, I love, I just love talking about mental health on the virtual couch and then uh, I've got a, uh, my, actually my book, he's a porn addict now, what uh, expert and a former addict answer your questions just got released on audible and audiobook today. So oh, nice. um, yeah. And I dig that one. That was fun. And I've got a, a podcast with the, my co-author that we recorded a season of that I'm going to release where we go back and we, we kind of like read the book or the questions. And then we just cool. dive, dive deeper into the stuff as the uh, expert and the addict. So that's fun. So yeah. Yeah, all kinds of all things. the podcasts, all the resources, yeah, yeah. all and, through and Tony. I, and I'm committing to you guys right now that you will come on my uh, my it's a group supervision where it's just some therapists hanging out talking about mental health stuff. You guys will come on that. We're in. Looking forward yep, to it. Already. We're in. Yeah. So we got all kinds okay. of stuff coming up. Oh, yeah, exciting. this is only the beginning of the What About it's, Therapy Tony Overbay collab. I, oh, same. <laughs> and you guys are going to come on the virtual couch and then, you know, uh, yeah, we're, and we're just going to change the world. No pressure. Change the world. Yeah, no it. pressure. No we're pressure gonna do it. at all. Yeah, just world changing stuff. Okay. <laughs> all right, Tony. Well, thank you again so much. It was a pleasure. No, thank you. And uh, and I will follow up with you guys soon because this is exciting. And then let me know yeah, when you, you so release this and we'll, we'll get all the things shared. So thanks so much, you guys. Thank cool. you so much. Appreciate awesome. it. Right. Have a good okay. one, Tony. See, See ya. Bye-bye. Right, what about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? Yeah. What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about 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 what about therapy? Yeah.